If you have a Bible or a mobile device with a Bible app, then please uh, turn to Psalm chapter 23 or scroll, whichever you prefer to do. I meditated on, the more I saw, it is an endless treasure chest of God's riches. So with that, I want to save all the time I have to die. Uh, Let's read his word. Please stand if you're able. We're going to read from Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we come to you, the almighty God of creation. You are our Father, and you say in this passage that you are our shepherd and that we are your sheep. We come to you right now as mean, dumb, helpless sheep that you love. And Father, we need to be with you. We need to feast from you. We need to drink from you. We need your protection. We need your comfort and your care. And so I pray, Lord God, that as we read your word, you would provide all those things that you have promised to provide. We pray that you do that by your word and your spirit. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Michael Gordon is a former RUF campus minister who spent some time working uh, on a Welsh farm. And one day, while he was taking a break from all his farming work, he decided that he was going to go take a walk. So he went out, he walked out, and he observed this beautiful landscape. He saw the rolling hills, he saw the fluffy clouds, he saw the sheep grazing there in the field. And he had this Psalm 23 moment, right? He heard, the Lord is his shepherd, ringing sort of in the background. And then he heard something else. He, he heard a really faint bah. And so he walked a little closer to it, and he heard it again, bah, bah. And it kind of sounded like a sheep, but it sounded like a sheep that was kind of muffled, sounded a little technical, like it was coming through a computer or something like that. So he kept walking towards it, and eventually he saw these two muddied white legs poking out of a hole in the ground, kicking. And then when he kicked, it would say, bah, bah. And it was a sheep that had fallen face first into a hole. And half of the sheep was in the hole, and half of the sheep was out of the hole. And he said it was almost as like with every baa, the sheep was saying, where is my shepherd? (laughs) Where is my shepherd? What's going on here? Somebody please help me. What would it look like if we were sheep without a shepherd? Pastor and theologian uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that shepherdless sheep have questions but no answers, distress but no relief, anguish of conscience but no deliverance, tears but no consolation, sin 
but no forgiveness. Is that you this morning? Do you have tears, but no consolation? Do you have anguish, but no relief? Do you have questions, but no answers? Do you have sins, but no forgiveness? If that's you this morning, then I have good news for you. Psalm 23 comes in and says, the Lord is your shepherd, and he delights in meeting those needs. He delights to answer your questions. He wipes away all of your tears. He comforts you in the midst of all your afflictions. He delivers you from all your anguish. If the Lord is your shepherd, then he meets all of your needs. You are not a sheep stuck in a hole, uselessly kicking and crying out, where is my shepherd? You are a sheep resting in the arms of the Lord of the universe. In a book called The Shepherd Leader, Timothy Whitmer says that the biblical shepherd does four things. The shepherd knows his sheep, the shepherd leads his sheep, the shepherd feeds his sheep, and he protects his sheep. So those are the four things that we're going to see as we look at Psalm 23 this morning. The first thing I want you to see is that the shepherd knows his sheep. When you look at Psalm 23, I think the first thing that jumps off the page is that it's incredibly personal. The opening line says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. For David, the Lord was not just the God who created all things, but he was a covenant God that was in a relationship with him. He was Yahweh. He was the God that entered into a relationship with he and with Israel. And he knew him personally. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. All this passage is in the first person pronouns. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is like a shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. It's intimately personal. And we don't know when David wrote Psalm 23, but we can imagine maybe it was while he was tending sheep as a shepherd. Maybe it was while he was running from Saul, hiding, wondering when his next meal was going to come, wondering if he was ever going to eat again or see his friends again. Or maybe it was when he was sitting on the throne after he had sinned with Bathsheba. And maybe in those times, the Holy Spirit whispered to him, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. That question, am I known, am I alone, is one of the deepest questions of the human heart. That's one of the questions that we all have to have answers for. And I heard a, a podcast recently that, that addressed that very question. It's on NPR. It's called Fermi's Paradox. And it's about three different types of people or three different people who struggle with this question of am I alone. The first one was actually an NPR producer who who wondered about Fermi's paradox. Fermi's paradox is the idea that it's highly probable that aliens exist, that there are other forms of life in the universe. It's so big, it's so expansive, it's so complex, surely there have to be aliens. 
yet we have very little evidence that they actually exist. Why, why haven't they actually came here before? And he literally had an existential crisis about this question, what if we're alone? The second story was about a failed marriage. The husband had been leading a double life their entire marriage. They thought it was happy, they thought it was safe and secure, but it came out that it wasn't. And this couple was trying to reconcile their marriage, but the wife struggled to be known. She felt alone. And the husband struggled to know his wife. He was so overwhelmed by his own brokenness that he couldn't empathize with her. And then the third story was about a little girl who had to go live with her father. Her parents were divorced. She was lonely at school, so she began to ask her dad questions, like all little kids do. And she pestered him with so many questions, so many of life's biggest questions, that finally one day he said, okay, I want you to write down all of your questions, and I'll try to answer them. She, she wrote down 50 of life's biggest questions, and the dad set out to answer those questions. And the producer said, why did you ask your dad those questions? She, she said, because I was alone, and because I wanted to know my father. Do you want to be known? Do you feel alone? Is that your question? Psalm 23 comes to you and says, the Lord is your shepherd. He knows you. Every hair on your head is numbered. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. He is Lord of your life. He knows every circumstance that you've been through. He knows your sins and your celebrations. He knows you and he loves you and accepts you. And he says, you're my sheep. I'm your shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, he knows you. That's the first thing we see. The second thing we see is that the shepherd leads his sheep. Psalm 23 reads like a journey. It's sort of like the Lord of the Rings, if you've read the books or if you've watched the movies like me because you're too lazy to read the books. You know, the Lord of the Rings is one journey with multiple scenes. I think Psalm 23 reads like one journey with multiple scenes or acts or vignettes. The first scene takes place in the pasture. And then the Lord leads David out of the pasture through the second scene, through the valley of the shadow of death. And then you enter into the third scene, which is where the Lord turns from a shepherd into a gracious host, where he serves David, and where David dwells with him and enjoys his presence. It's a journey. And David talks about the shepherd leading him. The Bible teaches us that the Lord leads us the same way the shepherd leads David. That our life is not one just big chaotic, confusing chasm of choices and accidents and, and circumstances, that God is actually in control, that we make choices, we make decisions, but that the Lord is guiding those, that there's a purpose and that he's leading us. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Proverbs 16. And in Proverbs 16, it says, to man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. It says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. It says, the lot is cast into the lap, 
but it's every decision is from the Lord. From cover to cover, the Bible teaches that fate is not in charge, that chance is not in charge, that we're not even in charge. The Lord of the universe is leading like a good shepherd. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? It feels confusing, it feels painful. There's struggle, there's pain, there's toil, there's confusion. I, uh, I've been listening to a band called Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. They're actually coming to town in November. If you can still get tickets, you should get them. And they have a, a song called New Year, and the chorus goes like this. It's a new year, it's a new song, but it's the same mystery. And the song is all about how life is a mystery. How things grow and change and you can't figure it out. Yesterday I went golfing with my nine-year-old son. Mike and I were just reminiscing. We remember joining the fraternity together 17 years ago. And now we have kids. And it is a confusing mystery, isn't it? Who's in control? Uh, in his sermon on this passage, uh, Leo Schuster tells a story of a cat named Pie Wicket when he was a little boy. Growing up, he had a very eccentric neighbor. Her name was Vera Swain, and Vera Swain had this Siamese cat named Pie Wicket. Leo said that one day he and his family were leaving the house. They pulled up to the stoplight. He looked out the side window, and there was Miss Swain in her car also leaving. And on top of her car was Pie Wicket. Before he could roll down the window to tell her, hey, your cat's on your car, she sped off with Pie Wicket hanging on for dear life on the top of that car. Now imagine being that cat, turning, swerving, up, going up and down through all, this, all the streets, wondering who's in charge of the car, who's driving the car, what's going on? That's how life feels like for us, isn't it? We wonder, is anybody driving the car? What is happening? And Psalms 23 comes to us, and the Bible comes to us and says, yes, your shepherd is driving the car. If the Lord is your shepherd, then he is leading you. And we may not know where he's going, and we may not know why he's doing it, but he has a purpose. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If the Lord is your shepherd, he is leading you down the path of righteousness so that you will lack nothing, to make you whole and complete. And it's painful and it's confusing and it's scary, but he's with you. He loves you and he has a purpose for it. The Lord knows his sheep, the Lord feeds his sheep. I'm sorry, the Lord leads his sheep. And thirdly, we see that the Lord feeds his sheep. The shepherd knows exactly what the sheep need. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That word there makes is a causal word. It's saying that the cause of knowing the shepherd is that you lie down in green pastures. Green pastures are a place of food, right? It's a place where the sheep can eat. It says, he leads me beside still waters. And all the OSU fans say, amen. Here's our verse, guys. I got it in there. Another reason why I picked Psalm 23. He leads us behind, why does he lead us beside still waters? Well, sheep aren't very athletic. 
They've got to have still waters to drink, to refresh themselves, to renew themselves. When David gets to the Lord's house, what does he see? He sees a table. And there the shepherd anoints his head with oil. Anointing the head with oil was a way of refreshing your guests. Then he fills his cup so much that it overflows. The whole psalm paints this picture that the Lord is feeding David. He's giving him everything he needs. He's satisfying his deepest desires. And the Lord comes to us. He says, I know what you need. I know your mental, physical, and emotional needs, and I'm here to feed you. To the anxious, he comes to us and he says, look at the flowers. I clothe them. Look at the birds. I feed them. You're worth so much more than they are. I'm going to feed you and I'm going to clothe you. To the depressed, he comes to you and he says, a bruised reed I will not break. To those who are physically hungry, to those who are poor, he says, I will not forsake the righteous and my children will not beg for bread. To those who are spiritually hungry and want nourishment, he says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and to delight yourself in rich, the richest affairs. The shepherd wants to feed you. But do you ask him to feed you? Do you ask him to feed you? And do you eat? Uh, recently, some of you may know, my two-year-old daughter, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, her name's Frances, she broke her femur. It's a bad injury. It's about eight weeks ago. She's recovering well. But for three weeks, she was in a half-body cast. The cast started at her chest. It moved all the way down the broken leg, and it moved halfway down the other leg. She was stuck in this position for three weeks. She couldn't do anything. Nothing. All she could do was lay there. We had to feed her, entertain her, talk to her, move her, clean her, put her in her bed, position her. We need to do everything for her. And guess what? We could do everything for her. We wanted to do everything for her. We delighted to do everything for her. All she had to do was ask. And she did, sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning. Mommy, come hold me. Move me, Mommy. My wife delighted to get up and meet her needs. Your shepherd delights to meet your needs. Do you ask him to feed you? Oftentimes, I think we try to feed ourselves using other things. We try to feed our loneliness by scrolling on our smartphones. We try to feed our families in good intentions, by by working, working, working so much that we overwork and we don't rest. We try to feed our pain and our suffering through addiction, through alcohol and drugs. We try to feed our 
uh, our longings with money and clothing and toys, and none of them will satisfy us. And the Lord says to us, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good. I will feed you. The Lord is your shepherd. He wants to feed you. So the Lord knows his sheep. The Lord leads his sheep. The Lord feeds his sheep. And lastly, he protects his sheep. David describes the shepherd leading the sheep down the righteous path. It's the right path. But look where it goes. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now the shadow of death there could be literally be translated the valley of death or the way of deep darkness. It is not a safe path. It is not the happy path. It is a, it is a path of darkness and suffering. And that's where the shepherd leads him. But while he's in that, in that valley, he's not scared. Why? He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is not afraid because the Lord is with him. The Lord will lead us into the valley of the shadow of death, but he will not leave us alone. He is with us, and he is there to protect us. I once heard a story about a seminary professor who went to the Middle East and saw a modern-day shepherd. He said he was walking down the street. As he was walking down the street, he saw people kind of separate, and coming towards him was a grizzly man in a leather jacket with a sheep hoisted over his shoulders. And at his side was not a rod and a staff, it was two pistols. And he gave that look to everybody as if to say, you touch my sheep. I dare you to touch my sheep. Nobody will touch my sheep. The Lord isn't just a shepherd. The Lord is a cowboy that protects his sheep. Christians have classically said that there are three enemies of God's sheep. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world with all of its evil systems and its unrighteousness tries to destroy God's sheep, but it can't. The flesh, in all of its rebellion, that's our sinful nature. It tries to destroy us. It tries to get us to die on the things that won't feed us, but the shepherd won't let it. The devil is a real person of evil that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but he is no match for the Lord. In fact, victory is so certain that David says, in the end, we are going to sit and eat and feast with the Lord, and all those enemies can do is sit and watch. All they can do is sit and watch us celebrate. Last week, there was the NBA Finals, right? And the Warriors won, and, and after the game, you know, you had uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and then that guy we won't talk about, all celebrating on the court with confetti, and then in the locker room, shaking their wine and doing all that sort of thing. And then they showed LeBron James and the Cavaliers walking to the locker room in disgust as everybody else celebrated. Now imagine that the NBA wouldn't let the Cavaliers leave. Imagine if they had to sit on the bench and watch the Warriors celebrate. How tormenting and taunting would that be? How humiliating would that be? 
That's what David is saying the Lord does to the world, the flesh, and the devil. They have to sit and watch as we feast at his table. We're about to take communion, and all the world, the flesh, and the devil can do is sit and watch in humiliation because the Lord is our cowboy, and he protects us. So the Lord knows his sheep, the Lord leads his sheep, the Lord feeds his sheep, and the Lord protects his sheep. It's a beautiful picture, but I'll be honest with you. It's, it's almost too good to be true. Like as I, as I wrote this sermon, as I meditated on it, as I thought about it, I was like, I, there's something wrong with me. I just, I feel like it's a precious moment statue. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a, uh, a Hallmark card. It's just too good to be true that the Lord would do all these things. And so I, I want to address just a couple questions in closing that I think our cynical hearts sort of stir up as we think about how this shepherd meets all our needs. And the first one is this. How, what if the Lord isn't my shepherd? I've asked you a lot of questions this morning, and maybe you sat there and thought, I don't know if the Lord is my shepherd. Or maybe you said, the Lord is not my shepherd. Or maybe you said, he used to be my shepherd, but I have turned away. And I think that's a real struggle that we have. That's a real question that we have. And there's good news even for those people in this passage. It says, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the good news of the gospel is that sheep do turn away. David turned away. Israel turned away. Judah turned away. That the Lord was the Lord of the universe and he came to David in a real spiritual way, but it wasn't enough. He had to come in a physical way. He had to come and be a real flesh and blood shepherd. And that's what he did in Jesus Christ. He came to, Jesus Christ came to pursue the sheep. The Lord became a real shepherd. And when Jesus saw the people, you know what he said when he saw them? He said, they look like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. Then John 10 records him talking to his disciples. And as you look at what he says, what does he say? He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Jesus knows his sheep. <laughs> he says, my sheep know my voice, and they'll follow me. Jesus leads his sheep. He says, I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Jesus feeds his sheep. He says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but nobody can snatch my sheep from my hand. Jesus protects his sheep. And then he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Jesus, the good shepherd, became a sheep so that we could say the Lord is my shepherd. I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But, if you, but the shepherd is calling out to you. And if you say, Lord, be my shepherd, then thanks to the person and work of Jesus, he is. He can be. He will be. 
You've turned from your sins. Whatever you're, I don't know what your shepherd is. If other things have been your shepherd, if it's been the internet, if it's been money, if it's been relationships, come to him and say, help, I want to be your sheep. Will you be my shepherd? And he will be your shepherd. It's too good to be true, but it's true. I think the second thing that sort of our cynical hearts say when we see this passage is this. How do we experience this? Like, it's kind of abstract, right? It, it feels a little bit uh, fluffy and, and abstract and spacey. I need something real, flesh and blood, that it can help me experience the shepherd. And the Lord has given us that too. We experience the shepherd through ordinary means. We have the shepherd's word right here that we can eat from. We have the word that we can drink from. We have the sacraments that we're about to take. It's real flesh and blood, physical things that the Holy Spirit gets into, and it uses us to meet all of our deepest needs. He uses these ordinary means. He also uses under-shepherds. The under-shepherds in your church are your elders your pastors, your elders. I know them, and they did not pay me to say this, but they are good shepherds. Blake Altman loves his sheep. Scott Mitchell, who you guys are going to call, is going to come here in August. He loves the sheep. I know him. All your elders, your ruling elders here, I think I've been in all their homes. They love the sheep. They love you. They want to care for you. They want to know you, lead you, feed you, and protect you. The Lord works through those good shepherds. And the Lord works through sheep. He works through sheep. We're about to go out of here, and we're going to be God's flock out there in Bartlesville, in Owasso, in Claremore, in Collinsville, in Tulsa, on TU's campus. Wherever you're going to go, the Lord will use you, his sheep, to meet the needs of others. Uh, when we were getting the, the church started in Tulsa, a River Oaks Presbyterian Church, I used to work there and be a member. And we originally started meeting in the Union 8th grade center, much like this. We met in a gym. And while we were meeting there, we had to have a janitor from the school come and help us. That janitor's name was Jim. And Jim had a wife named Maggie. Maggie would come with Jim in the mornings, and then she started worshiping with us. After a while of worshiping with us, she said, I want to join your church. So our pastor, Ricky, met with Maggie and, and was asking, you know, hearing her story and answering her questions and all those sorts of things. And uh, he asked her if she had any questions. And she had a rather odd question. She said, how are you going to care for me when I die? Now, this was not odd for Maggie because she had been abused and beaten and scarred and she just lived a really rough life. And death was a very real and palpable thing to her. And Ricky said, I can promise you two things. One, I'm going to lead you to Jesus. And two, you will not die alone. Last year, Maggie died. But you know what? She did not die alone. And in the time from when she joined that church to when she died, that church met every single need as well as they possibly could for her. They employed her and her husband. They gave physical and spiritual needs to them. They loved Maggie and Jim. They took her to Jesus. The sheep, the shepherd uses the sheep. 
There are sheep out there without a shepherd. You know the shepherd. You want to know how to do evangelism? This is what you do. You go, you talk to people, and you say, who is your shepherd? Might be an odd question, but it might get their attention. Who's your shepherd? How does your shepherd meet your needs? Let me tell you about my shepherd. Come and see my shepherd. Come and hear how he can meet your needs. Come be a part of his flock. The Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. You have everything you need. Let's pray that we would actually believe that and experience it together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you would... It's, it's too good to be true that you would be our shepherd, that you really do love us, you really do know us, you really do celebrate over us, you really do delight in us, you lead us, you feed us, you protect us, you've given us all this and your son. Thank you. Help us to believe it and experience it and understand it and help us to go and invite others to come and, and meet with you and see you. You were too good, Father. You've given us all this in Jesus too. And it's his name we pray. Amen.